I promise. We know that word. We hear it a lot. I promise. Uh, It's easy to say. It's commonly heard. But unfortunately, we also know that it frequently falls flat, right? Falls flat. Um, We know examples of political promises where, uh, without fail, in every presidential candidate race or Senate race or or congressman, every political um, race, you know, there's, without fail, universally, there's promises made. Uh, on, on all fronts, both sides of the aisle, uh, all the different issues and agenda. Uh, I will do this if elected. I will do that if elected. I'll bring this in and make this reality, or I'll do away with this if you put me into office. And we hear those things, and really, no matter who it is, just about every time, there's only a fraction, a small percentage of any of those promises that actually get delivered on, Right? And that's just the reality that we, we face. Um, there's cultural promises all the time uh, about if you do this or if you have this, you'll be fulfilled. You, you just need the right amount of money and then you're set and you're secure and you're good to go and life will be great if you have the right amount of money. Or uh, if, you, if you use the right brand of something or if you have the right products in your life, if you wear the right clothes, the right label, and you get the, the right name, brand, whatever, you're going to be fulfilled, you're going to be happy. Um, if you just work hard enough on your on your body and your image and your, your physical self is strong enough, you're going to be good and nothing can touch you. And, and there's all these promises that we hear all the time all around us. We know for sure that the promise of, of money giving you security and stability isn't true. We know that no matter what you try to do yourself to take care of yourself, as healthy as you might be, you're not immune to things ravaging that and taking that away. I mean, we've been reminded of that now for several months, where it doesn't take much at all. It takes a little tiny virus to wreak havoc on literally hundreds of thousands of people to bring a society down to affect the financial security and stability that so many people look to and look for. We know that brands and and things uh, come and go quickly, and so there's no stability there. So when you hear promises out in society and out in culture that if you do this, you will be and you fill in the blank, you you can't trust that. You can't depend on that. We know what it's like, unfortunately, to have promises in relationships not hold up. Many of you are experiencing that right now where in your relationship, the thing that you thought you could depend on more than anything else, that other person that you felt always would have your back, didn't, doesn't. And we all know what it's like to, to see, or many of you, to have happen to you those strongest and most sacred of relationships let you down, where the promises made end up crumbling and falling to the ground. And it's devastating when that happens. And unfortunately, we don't have to look very far or wait very long in life to discover that our world and this life is full of broken promises. It's full of broken promises. Why? 
Why is that such a constant reality? It's because broken people break promises. Broken people break promises. And since the whole human race is naturally, deeply, systematically broken, that's a frequently experienced and consistently observable reality. Brokenness, broken promises. It's just the reality in which we live. I mean, that is a guarantee in this world and in this life. There's very few things that are guaranteed. There's very few things that are sure and and you can absolutely depend on being true. This is one of them. That in this world, in this life, in this human experience, there's going to be broken promises all around you, all through your life. It's going to happen outside of your life and kind of far off in the distance, but still observable. And then unfortunately, it's going to happen close to home, even in your life. It's just what's going to happen because broken people break promises and to be human is to be broken. That, as grim of a reality as that is, that is what makes the meaning of God's name, El Shaddai, that we're going to be talking about today, so significant and so encouraging. It's what provides such a great, beautiful, rich contrast to what I just said was true. The fact that there are just broken promises left and right all around us in this world, in this society, that that's so frequently your experience and my experience. The, the fact that we're studying and talking about El Shaddai today, it makes it that much more meaningful, makes it that much more hopeful, and that much more of a contrast. El Shaddai. Here's what that wonderful name means in summary. The name El Shaddai means all-sufficient one. It means all-powerful It means keeper of promises. Isn't that great news? So El Shaddai, he's the all-sufficient one. That means everything you need, everything that you truly are looking for, at the very core of your being, you can find in him, in God, in El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient one. He's sufficient for every single one of your needs, great and small. There's a friend of mine who, uh, just a, a la- last week ago, um, she had lost her, her necklace, and this necklace was incredibly meaningful for her. Uh, think of kind of the, the pearl of great price in the Gospels. This necklace had her husband's fingerprint on it, and her, she lost her husband just about a year ago to, to cancer, and it was a horrible, tragic thing, and her heart is still broken over that. And so this necklace is precious to her. And she lost it. She didn't know where it was. So she went on Facebook and she said, I, I know this is a little silly and I'm even embarrassed to ask this, but my praying friends, would you please pray that I find this necklace? Because Malcolm gave it to me shortly before he was diagnosed and before he went downhill. And it's just absolutely precious to me. And, and I'm just a wreck. And so all these people thankfully said, yeah, absolutely. We'll pray for you. Don't, don't apologize. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Of course, that's meaningful. 
And, and I, along with others, said, yes, absolutely, God cares about that, Pat, because he, you know, he knows that's important to you, and, and he will listen to these prayers. And so I prayed, and others prayed, and a few days later, she, she responded with another post, I found it, I found it, I found it. And she was just so happy. And what ended up happening, as glad as she was to find the necklace, she was even more glad to know that God actually cared about what admittedly in the grand scheme of things was an insignificant need, but a big need to her. And he heard her prayer and he heard her cry and he heard the the desire of her heart and he granted it. And I know that's a small example, but it just goes to show that we can find what we need and what we long for, small and great, in El Shaddai because he is the all-sufficient one. He's also the all-powerful one. And that's, that's why he's able to be so sufficient, because he is the all-powerful God. There's no power greater. There's no one higher. There's no one more able to deliver on the promises that he makes. And that's why he is the, the keeper, the ultimate keeper of promises. And that's such good news for us as we look around our world and we see broken promises left and right. As you look around your own life and you see that you have been the recipient, unfortunately, of broken promises. And it doesn't mean that that it hurts any less when you are on the receiving end of broken promises. It's devastating. I know. I get that. But you can be encouraged to know that even if everyone else around you fails to deliver, if everyone around you breaks their promises, there is one who never will. Because our God is the perfect promise keeper. And if, if you, in your fallenness, have been one to break your promise, at some point we all have been and we all will, isn't it good to know that other promises aren't dependent on you keeping them? That it's dependent on a God who always will. El Shaddai the all-sufficient one, all-powerful keeper of promises. And the first time this name shows up in Scripture, the first time we get a, a glimpse of this is in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17, so I'm going to invite you to go there with me, Genesis 17, 1 through 5. A little bit of backstory. This is surrounding Abraham, and Abraham was called out of Ur. God appeared to him. He revealed himself. And he said, I want you to leave the land of your fathers, the land of your people, leave Ur, and journey to the place that I will tell you. Pick up and go. So he did. And along the way, God says, I'm going to make you, Abraham, into a great nation. Kings will come from you, and all the earth will be blessed through you. And so time went on, no child. More time passed, no child. God reassured him, I will make you a great nation, Abraham. Keep trusting me. Keep following me. I will make you into a great nation. Okay. All right. I I trust you. I believe you. More time passed. His wife, Sarah, started to get a little restless. She said, God's not coming through. So here's my handmaiden. Here's my servant, my slave. I'm going to give her to you. You take her as your wife and we'll make sure we have a son through her. And then you claim him as your heir. Sounds good to me, he said. So that's what he did. But God intervened and said, no, this one will not be your 
heir. He is not the child of promise. There will still be one born from your body that I will bless you through, that I will bless all the nations through. He's still not the promised one. More time went on. More time went by. And then we come to this account, Genesis 17, 1 through 5. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, 99 years old, that's a lot of time that went from the time he was called out and promised to be made the father of many nations to now. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham, Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. And that, that statement, God Almighty, is in the Hebrew, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, which is literally what Abraham means. It means father of a multitude. So this was God coming to him and saying, Everything that I promised to you, I will do. You can, you can absolutely be assured, Abram. In fact, so much so, I'm going to change your name. That's how much you can trust me on this. That's how much you can believe that I am who I say I am, that I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Here, your name's no longer Abram, it's Abraham, because you're going to be the father of a multitude. And in my mind and in my vision and in my plans, you already are. So we might as well go ahead and change your name. That's how sure this is. And that's what happened. And what God was showing Abram here, Abraham now, and telling him, It's what he wants us to know. It's what he wants us to hear and remember. And that's that God, El Shaddai, is the only one that can be fully trusted to carry all our hope. God is the only one that can be fully trusted to carry all our hope. I'm not trying to suggest to you not to trust anybody. That's not what this is about. I'm not saying don't ever trust anyone. You can't ever believe anything anybody else says. That's not true. I mean, that would really be depressing. That's not the case. There are people in your lives that you can absolutely trust and should trust, and you, you can and should believe. But what I'm saying is God is the only one that you can fully, 100% of, 100% of the time, fully trust to carry all your hope. He's the only one that you can do that with. In other words, no other shoulders are strong enough to bear the weight of all of your hope, of all of your trust, and all of your confidence. No other shoulders are strong enough. And what happens when we put all of our hopes in another person, in another relationship, when we put all of our faith in, in another human, we doom them to fail because no other person can possibly hold up under the weight of all of our faith and all of our trust. That belongs to God alone. He's the only one that's strong enough to bear that weight. And Abraham believed that. He understood that to be true. He experienced that. And 
in Romans 4, 19 through 22, Paul refers to Abraham as a great example of faith, and, and it's an example that we all should follow. Romans 4, 19 says this of Abraham. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body to be already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and also the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced, Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised he was also able to do. He was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. Therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. The reason Abraham didn't weaken in faith wasn't because of how strong and secure he was. That's not the case. It was because he chose to place his faith in an all-sufficient, all-powerful, always-secure God. That's why he didn't waver in his faith. It's not because Abraham was just that good, that strong, that secure in his faith and his walk with the Lord. It was because of whom he was trusting in. It's because of the place he placed his faith. See, it was the object of Abraham's faith that gave his faith strength. It was the object of Abraham's faith that gave his faith strength. What that says to us today is that it's just as important for us to evaluate and examine what the object of our faith is. Who or what are you putting your faith in? Who or what are you trusting in? Who or what are you depending on and and looking to for fulfillment and for purpose and for satisfaction and for encouragement? Are you depending exclusively and entirely on the people in your life? Are you depending on your own health and your own strength? Are you depending on your financial, financial security? Are you depending on and looking to the right person to occupy the political office, the right party that you are part of politically? That's the question we all have to ask all the time. What is the object of my faith in this moment, right here and right now? Every day, what am I depending on? What am I looking for? What am I trusting in? What am I hoping in? And my friends, if at any point all of our hope and all of our faith and all of our trust is in and is resting on any one or thing other than God, if He's not the absolute source, the 100% source of 100% of our hope, and our faith, and our trust, we are going to be sorely disappointed. Everyone else has the potential and the possibility to let you down. And you have the potential and the possibility of letting others down. Because we're human. We're flawed. Broken people break promises. It's why we have to rely 
on a never broken God. He's the only one that can be perfectly trusted in that. Just as it was the object, object of Abraham's faith that gave his faith strength, the same will be true for you and me. As we make God the object of our faith, and we trust him entirely and completely, we'll find that that gives our faith strength as well. Strengthened faith will not come from within ourselves. It will come from within from the God that is within us. As we keep trusting Him, he will, he will strengthen that trust. He will strengthen that faith, just as Abraham's experience was. Abraham's experience was truly what El Shaddai means and what it conveys, that God is the only all-sufficient, all-powerful, perfect promise keeper. Is that your experience as well? Can you say that with Abraham? Yes, I've seen that in my life. I, I experienced that. I know that to be true. I hope you can say that. And now more than ever in the times in which we live, we need to keep coming back to that. We need to remind ourselves of that. Yes, God is the only all-sufficient, all-powerful, perfect promise keeper. So I'm going to keep looking to Him. I'm going to keep running to Him. That needs to be at the forefront of our thinking. And we can rest assured in the fact that He's never going to change. We can rest assured in the fact that He will always deliver. Unlike anyone else in life, He will always deliver on all He says He will do. If God promised it, and and His Word is full of promises from beginning to end, promise after promise, and you can see promise after promise given to people all through His Word, all through history. And you can look at your own life And see, promise after promise that God has given you. And we see a a great track record that God has. He has a long list of promises made and promises kept. And we can trust that. And we can rest in that. And we can be encouraged in that. We can find joy in that. You're not going to find that ultimately in anywhere, anywhere else or in anyone else. Friends, if, if God promised it, it can and should be considered as good as done. Just as Abraham experienced. That's why his name was changed. God said, this is as good as done, Abram. It's as good as done. It's already, it's already a, a reality. You just haven't caught up to it yet. Well, Abraham believed that. He rested in it. And he experienced it. And we can too. That can be our reality as well. Isaac, the son of promise, was indeed born. And several years later, the promise of the Messiah that was given to Adam and Eve uh, at their fall in Genesis 3.15 was repeated and pictured for Abraham because God tested Abraham. He brings the son of promise. Isaac's born years down the road. God tested Abraham by calling for the sacrifice of Isaac, the promised one. But he spared him from it at the last minute. Abraham was obedient. He was faithful. Even though it didn't make sense to him, he trusted in a trustworthy God. He knew that God was a promise-keeping God, that he had never let him down up to this point. There was no reason to believe he'd let him down now. So he was obedient. He brought Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice. 
He said to the servants, stay here. The, the boy and I will return after we worshiped. Even though God had said to Abraham, when you get to the top of the mountain, you're going to sacrifice your son. I want you to kill the son whom you love. And Abraham was ready and willing to do it. But even in that willingness, he believed that somehow God would bring Isaac back to the dead if, if he had Abraham go through with it. If God, in fact, would take it all the way to completion and would have Abraham kill the promised son, he knew it wouldn't end that way. It wouldn't stay that way. And so he's getting ready to do it. He's getting ready. He, he's, he's putting Isaac on the, the pile. Isaac willingly went. Isaac was willingly bound. A picture of someone else who would be a willing sacrifice. And right as the knife was getting ready to fall, Scripture says the angel of the Lord, which is a pre-Bethlehem, a pre-New Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus himself, called and said, hold on, Abraham, don't touch or harm the boy. Don't do it. And at the last minute, he was spared from that sacrifice. And God provided a ram there on that same mountain as a substitute, on the very mountain that the ultimate Lamb of God would be provided as He came through the lines of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isn't that awesome? On that very mountain where Abraham took Isaac, the promised son, and was willing to sacrifice him before God, trusting in God, trusting in his faithfulness, trusting in the fact that he would keep all of his promises, that he would make a great nation through Isaac. And sure enough, that's what happened, and God provided a ram in the thicket as a picture of the coming lamb of God that would, in fact, come through Abraham and all of his seed. And when that lamb of God came, that promised provision, that son did not receive a substitute because he was the substitute. He was our substitute. And centuries into the future, on that same mountain, the Lamb of God, the perfect eternal Son of God, the righteous one, went willingly to the cross. And the hand, the execution hand, was not stayed. The knife fell. Judgment fell. And He was our substitute where He took our place. What does God's sufficiency and promise-keeping look like? It looks like a suffering Savior named Jesus carrying all our sin and all our shame up to the cross, giving us all His righteousness, and standing with the Father in exchange. That's what God's sufficiency and promise-keeping looks like. It looks like our suffering Savior up there on the cross for us. It looks like the resurrection of a victorious Savior named Jesus. Proving by His resurrection, proving that His work was enough, had been fully accepted, and was entirely sufficient to secure our eternal adoption. That's what the all-sufficiency, all-power, and perfect promise-keeping of God looks like. 
It didn't end at the cross with a suffering Savior. It, end, it, it was fulfilled and shouted and put on display forever with a conquering, victorious, resurrected Savior. Galatians 4, 4-5 through tells us this, But when the fullness of time, what a great phrase, the fullness of time, when time in God's plan, in His perfect sovereignty, reached the top, it was spilling over the brim, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that's you and me, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And that fact allows us to use another amazing name for God. Abba. Daddy. Daddy. (sighs) Think about it, church. Through Jesus Christ, in Him, in His sacrifice on the cross, and because of His resurrection, the fact that the cross didn't kill Him, I mean, he died, but he didn't stay dead. It didn't defeat him. He rose from that death. And because he rose, he secured forever the ability to be adopted by his father so that his father can be called your father. It's that intimate, personal term. It's a child crawling up on their, on their daddy's lap and looking up and saying, Daddy, Daddy. And we're able to call this mighty, this almighty one, this all-sufficient one, this perfect promise-keeping one, the one we've talked about now for three weeks with, with all of His majesty and power and grandeur and glory on display that we've just scratched the surface of, we get to call Him Daddy. All because of Jesus. There's a Father's Day truth for you. There's something to be thankful for on Father's Day. Man, if anybody deserves praise and thanks on, on Father's Day, it's, it's our Heavenly Father. It's the ultimate Father, the perfect Father. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to even call you that. And we can go even more informal than Father. I mean, Father sounds formal, right? We don't, even, we don't have to limit our address to Him. Is that we can say, Daddy, Papa. All because of what Jesus made possible for us. All because Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of every one of God's promises. Scripture says every one of God's promises is yes in Him, in Jesus. Therefore, we utter our amen to the glory of the Father. Every one of God's promises is yes in the person of His Son, Jesus. And that means... Church, that means that we can have confidence in this crazy, unpredictable life. We can have confidence solely because of how consistent and capable God is. We can't, have, we can't find confidence in anything or anyone else. Not really. Not full confidence. Not perfect confidence, not unending, unchanging confidence. I mean, yeah, you can have confidence in 
You should be able to have confidence in your, your husband or your wife or your mom or your dad, your pastor. You, we should be able to have a, a fairly good amount of confidence in our leaders. We should. <laughs> Often that's not the case, but we should be able to. I'm not trying to turn you into cynics. I'm not trying to say, don't trust anyone. Don't believe anyone. Don't, don't have confidence in anyone else. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't have maximum, supreme confidence or trust or assurance in anyone other than God. He's the only one that can perfectly deliver on that. He's the only one that can take and shoulder 100% of our trust and our hope and our faith. That's what I'm saying. Make sense with me on that? And because He is that, because we can go to Him in that way, because He's the all-sufficient, all-powerful, perfect, promise-keeping God, we can have confidence in this crazy, unpredictable life. So what that means for us, for you and me, who know Him in this way, who know this God, who say with Abraham, yes, I absolutely trust you fully. I can. I know that, and I do. I walk in trust of you. What you've said, I believe, is as good as done. For those of us who are with Abraham in that, and we, we are children of the faith that Abraham had, what that means is as we go about our lives out there, among the world, a world that has gone completely mad, by the way. Would you agree with that? My goodness, the world has lost its collective mind. Which is why they need us. People who know, despite all the madness and mayhem, despite all the confusion and craziness, despite all the unpredictability and inconsistency out there, They need us who know there is a God who is all-sufficient, all-powerful, and perfect in all of His promises. So we need to remember that kind of God-given confidence that Abraham had, we can have too. And we need to remember that kind of confidence is more contagious than the coronavirus or any other thing. That's the type of contagion our world needs. The contagion of hope, the contagion of faith, the contagion of trust, the contagion of confidence in an unshakable God. So do what 1 Peter 3.15 says, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Live in a hope-filled way so that others will say, hey, where's this hope coming from that you have? And we can say, let me tell you the reason. Let me point you to him. Let me point you to El Shaddai. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are and always will be El Shaddai, the all-sufficient, all-powerful keeper of promises, the perfect keeper of promises. And we see that manifested. We see that pictured perfectly for us through the person and work of your son, Jesus. The ultimate Lamb of God that was given through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What you promised, you fulfilled. You said, I will bless all people through you, Abraham. And surely you did. As the the ultimate son of promise, the provision, the provided one that you promised all the way back in Genesis. 
as our parents fell, you said, there will come one who will crush the serpent's head. And you fulfilled that promise through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then you provided through him, through your son, you provided the ultimate, all-sufficient sacrifice for us. And so we look to your son and we see that your promises were yes in him. We look to your son and we see your promises were kept and fulfilled in him. Not just at the cross, but more than that, at the empty tomb. Thank you, Father, that we can, because of your Son and his finished work, we can address you as Abba. We can call you the maker and sustainer of all things, Daddy. Fill our hearts with hope from that today, please. Fill our minds with strength and security. Strengthen our faith today so that we can go out in a, in a faithless world in a a constantly changing, inconsistent world full of brokenness, full of broken promises. And we can point to You, the perfect promise keeper. Thank You for being who and what You are. Thank You for giving us what You have. And as we go out and seek to be Your representatives, may You fill us with Your Spirit, empower us by Him, so that others will see truly an unshakable hope and that we will be ready to give a reason for it. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.